Welcome to the Stephen and Arjun's Football Podcast, where they discuss anything football, everything football. This podcast is brought to you by Starshot Bakery and Misuboy SG. Craving for party treats like cakes and cookies in Subang Jaya? Visit starshot.bakery on Instagram. Or would you like tiramisu in Singapore? Visit misuboy.sg on Instagram as well. Good day listeners and welcome to another episode of the Serial and Arjun's Football Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Misuboy SG and Sashrak Bakery. In the last episode, we had Cedric who joined us to talk about the prediction for the quarterfinals round of the Euro 2020. And now, across two days, four matches have taken place and now we have our four semi-finalists for this year's Euro 2020 tournament. So today we are going to do a review of the past four matches of the um, quarterfinals with Uday. Uday, welcome. Hi, yes. Thanks for having me on board. I honestly thought that uh, my podcast guest days are over since France got kicked out, but glad you remember me. <laughs> I think it's interesting that we do this kind of uh, swapping or alternating between different guests, you know, across yeah. different episodes. Yeah, it does, it yeah, yeah. And also, before we start, uh, Arjun, welcome back, my co-host. Yep, thanks, Stephen. Good to be back. Okay, I think let's let us jump right straight into it. Um, first game is <clears throat> Switzerland against Spain, the first quarter final that took place on Saturday, whereby um Spain beat Switzerland three one on penalties. Uh, Arjun, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so uh, I watched the extra time and penalty shootout of this game, and then later on I went back to watch the um. Regular, highlights. yeah, highlights of the regular game, and I mean it went pretty much as how you would expect. Spain dominating possession, they had seventy three percent to Switzerland's twenty seven percent possession. Of course, that is also helped by the seventy seven minute red card that uh Switzerland, the Swiss player Freuler got. Um, I'll get to the red card in a while, but yeah, so Spain dominated shots, shots on target. They were everywhere, all over Switzerland, but Switzerland stood strong. Uh, thanks to the brilliant defense as well as the goalkeeper Jan Sommer, um, he would arguably have deserved the man of the match award. Uh, I feel, and yeah, I think after the red card, it became even more apparent that Spain was dominating the game. Uh, they were basically camping in the Swiss half, just bombarding the Swiss uh, penalty box. Um, but Jan Sommer stood strong. Spain also did not carve out very clear cut chances. I'd say, um, maybe not enough. Um, too many shots straight at Sommer or um, Sommer was also on form and yeah basically every Swiss player was in the penalty box defending for their lives and they were holding out for the penalty shootout which was their tactic uh, right after the red card so now coming back to the red card um, I felt a lot of people felt that it was a very controversial red card because uh, he won the ball but of course it was dangerous play um, so I guess the red card is deserved, which what which is a mistake by him. But Switzerland almost pulled off the penalty shootout. Yet uh, the first penalty by Sergio Busquets, he missed it. He hit the post. It was advantage Switzerland, but Swiss players had a horrible penalty shootout. Um, two two of them missed, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, so it just wasn't the idea. For, uh, in, in the penalty shootout, while Unai Simon saved um, 
saved uh, one or two penalties from his list as well. And overall, I think Spain were deserved winners, uh, just owing to their domination in the game. Switzerland held on to the penalty shootout, but unfortunately could not win the penalty shootout, despite being given an advantage by Busquets Mace. Yeah, that, that's uh, my thoughts on the game. Very good analysis, Arjun. Um, I really think that the red card was harsh for Switzerland. Uh, yes, he got the ball. It doesn't look that dangerous of a play to me because he's challenging for the ball. So honestly, I think it's a bit too harsh for him. And the referee was the star of the show uh, for that game because of the red card. Already, Swiss players were trying to take over the game from Spain. Um, not, I guess it's the wrong word, but they were trying to dominate the game. But as soon as the red card happened, like Spain definitely just like exactly what you said, they controlled the game up to the point of the penalty shootout. And I think the penalty shootout was one of the worst penalty shootouts I've ever seen. The two Swiss players tried to take the penalty the same way and they both didn't score. And then was a bit unlucky for Swiss since they missed their captain through suspension, Granit Xhaka. And then in the game, they had an injured striker and also a bad red card. So I felt it was such a... I felt such pity for Swiss. You know, they were the underdogs going all the way. And I just wanted to let it out there. France would have lost the game against Spain already. So there's no point asking this question. <laughs> and uh, this is the first... that. And I wanted to... Another fun fact is that only 10 times that a team went to two successive penalty shootouts and only two teams have won both penalty shootouts. So it shows how hard is it to win on penalties. That's my take on this game. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah I think as we predicted, Spain went through uh, in the end against Switzerland. But uh, not as a high-scoring event that we I predicted previously because Spain, after all, they did score 10 goals across two games. But this penalty shooter, I feel that uh, Unai Simon, um, uh, how to say, redeemed himself by, by saving twice uh, and bring Spain into the semi-final. But this again shows, in this game against Spain showed their defensive vulnerability, whereby there is a confusion between their central defenders, uh, causing the equalizer, which uh, bring about the equalizer by Shodan Shakiri for Switzerland. Um, so, so yeah, it, it remains to see, you know, how they will play against Italy in the semi-final, but I feel Italy will be the hot favourite, but we will discuss this in the next episode. So, yeah, I also want to talk about the red card as well. In my opinion, the red card is harsh, and it shouldn't be a red card. I understand that in real time, the referee look, it, look at it, and it looks a dangerous play, and he give a red card, but I feel that VAR should have stopped, uh, stepped in and overturned that. Why? Because firstly, he won the ball, like what would they say? And secondly, he okay. Usually, red card justification is that the player is um uh is not in control himself. Number one, and it's a start start sub challenge. So in this case, I feel that okay. While Froiler is not in control of himself, it is not a start up challenge. When if you see in slow motion, when he go through the player, he's actually uh he starts not against the player's knee or, or the shin. It was his. His shin knocking against the opposition's shin. So it was shin against shin instead of the studs up against the shin. So I feel um the 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 the, the threat or the risk of breaking the opposition leg is not high or not there. Yes. Hence I feel that it should be a 
a yellow card instead of a red card. Uh, yeah, over uh, like if if this tackle happened in the early twenties, uh, two thousand, this would be a good tackle to win the ball. So yeah, that are my thoughts of this game. Uh, yeah, the next game is Belgium against Italy. Uday, your thoughts? Oh, what a game this was. Um, I think whatever we all thought Italy was gonna be, they were gonna be defensive. They were uh gonna not be so attacking. They were just gonna sit back and give the ball to Belgium. And that didn't happen. Uh, Italy were completely opposite of what they used to be. And it was just a fun game, which is what Roberto Mancini wants his team to have a fun game. And what I loved about this game was the shithousery that happened. Like Italy was just brilliant in being a shithousery team. And I think as a Manchester United fan who grew up with Roy Keane and the Manchester United players doing all of those play acting and diving at times, you know, Time wasting it was just brilliant. I loved it. I uh, like I especially the goal that was scored by Italy, um, where it, so, Immobile uh, was looked like he almost broke his ankle. And as soon as the goal went in for Italy, uh, the play he got up and he started celebrating. And boy, what a great game that was! Was it Immobile? I think Immobile. Yeah, yeah, it was Immobile. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it was Immobile. Yeah, so it was great. <laughs> And uh, man, I'm a big fan of this. And then I think um, with regards to Belgium, yeah, Belgium was really good. Doku was good at attacking, but I think they missed Eden Hazard's hold-up play, which we was discussed in the last podcast, in which uh, he was not helping out much of his defensive duties, but he did uh, get the penalty or win the penalty. Even though it was soft penalty, it was still a penalty altogether. He still pushed the guy, and a penalty is a penalty for me. So that was a... That was with regards to Belgium. And one thing, Torgan was missing. You know, he was so good in the previous game in the round of 16. And this game, he was missing right now. And Roberto Martinez is not the best person to manage Belgium. One thing I noticed was that in the second half, when Belgium was still trying to chase it, they were still playing with three centre-backs. What they should have done was remove the defender and brought an attacker, you know. Just push Italy to their corner. And yeah, that was basically it. I saw... Kevin De Bruyne being really frustrated. I think I counted three times in which he was covering his face throughout the game. So I think if Kevin De Bruyne is covering his face out of disappointment, you know it wasn't a good day for Belgium. And I think that was it uh, with regards to me. Donu Rama, the goalkeeper for Italy, had a really good game as well. A lot of good saves. So yeah, um, that was my analysis of the game. Is there, Arjun, do you have anything to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I watched the game as well. And yeah, I do agree. Um, I think Togut Hazard didn't have a good game, but also Munier, I felt he didn't have a good game as well. Um, I think Belgian wingbacks were pushed uh, back, so they weren't able to have the freedom to attack. And that was one of the main reasons why Belgium was struggling to attack and create good chances. Um, yeah, uh, and Doku was one of the bright spots for Belgium. But yeah, I think you're right. They definitely missed Eden Hazard uh, because Hazard gives a lot more than Doku does. Doku is a youngster who came in, they passed him the ball, and he ran at defenders, got a one penalty. He was the brightest spot for Belgium. Um, but also because the wingbacks were pushed back, I felt that Witzel and Tielemans in the middle were having to go to support the wings as well uh, to track the runs of Insigne and uh, their, their other winger as well from Italy. And that just pushed Belgium back. And whenever they were attacking, it was just De Bruyne going up, Doku coming up to support and Lukaku. 
their wingbacks weren't able to push up uh, fast enough. But on the other hand, Italy as well, defensively, yeah, Donnarumma had a good game. Cellini and Bonucci, what defenders, man, what good defenders. They are 34 and 36, and they're still so good. And they celebrate every tackle, every clearance, as if it's a goal. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good to see. And this Italy team attacking as well, very clinical, very, very clinical. Barella, um, good shot into the far corner. And then Insignane, you know, his trademark curling shot, uh, took their chances. And yeah, a little bit of shit housing as well, very clever, such as like Immobile and then wasting time, play acting, as, as what Ure mentioned. I think probably a team that is going to be champion this, uh, needs to have all these facets to their game um, and not be very one-dimensional. So I think that's what we saw from Italy and Belgium just didn't have enough to beat them. Yeah, I think in this game, um, uh, like what Cedric mentioned previously, Italy exposed the weaknesses of Belgium's defence. Firstly, for the first goal, I feel that when I was watching the game, I feel that uh, Vertonghen was, was, um, was at a mistake there. Why? Is because actually, when before Barella scored a goal, it was a free quick coming in, right? Before Barella scored the goal, actually, Belgium had already recycled the position. They already got the position already. But uh, Vertonghen tried to be smart and tried to, be, uh, tried, tried to pass up from the back. So, and then Italy managed to intercept and score the first goal uh, of this game. So, it's a defensive mistake. The second goal from Insignia Wall is a good goal. It's a curler. It's a long-range curler. But as a, I feel as a right-footer playing at the left wing, you will know he's going to do that all the time. Like how Salah like to cut, in, cut inside you to use his left foot from the right, right wing. So, um, like how Coutinho needs to score, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know that he's going to cut inside. So, so yeah. because, you know, he, that, mm-hmm. that's, his, that's his powerful. So, I feel is there's more, there, there should be more like homework done or, you know, they, they should cover inside and let him run all the way to the byline by and see what he can do with his left foot instead. And, uh, yeah, that's two of the mistakes defensively. Kevin De Bruyne played play on with uh, injury. I read that he played on with, with an injury and... Uh, that's not very good. And of course, yeah, Doku was a shining star for, for Belgium. I, I remember after the match, uh, the next morning, I was I was texting uh, Arjun and Udi asking, where does Doku <laughs> play? <laughs> yeah. So, so it's quite a pity that you know, Eden Hazard was not fit for this game. Uh, De Bruyne was in, carrying an injury throughout this game. So, um, Belgium was a bit, uh, uh, wasn't at their 100%. Uh. So moving forward, Italy it was a great win. They are the hot favorite for this now. But of course, losing Spinazzola for the rest of the game, uh, for the rest of the tournament, probably, uh, uh, it, it begs the question of how how strong they will be defensively like, now that uh, Emerson of Chelsea will come in and uh, deputize for him. Yeah. So I look forward to the semi final as well. Um, a quick, a quick yeah. Sorry. Today, go ahead. Quick word on Spinazzola. Uh, he. Apparently, has been doing this since his early days in Atalanta, where um, he was being, going very forward, and it's because of his injuries that he gets. That's why he was not able to shine in clubs like Juventus. And he got noticed recently because of his playing style in Roma, where he got shipped there. So, hopefully, this injury isn't so bad, so he can continue his form into the upcoming league season that is coming. So, again, mm. uh, hopefully he recovers very soon. That's all. Yeah, hopefully. Wish him all the best. Um, Next match is Denmark against Czech Republic. Arjun. 
Yeah, so once again in this match, uh, I think we saw how good that this Denmark team is. Um, yeah, watching this match, I think they completely dominated the first half. They shocked Czech Republic uh, by scoring very early in the fifth minute. Uh, Delaney from the corner, he wasn't marked at all. Uh, I think I would put that down to a defensive mistake rather than a very good cross. Uh, nobody challenged him. He had a free header and he scored. And thereafter, um, Czech Republic couldn't do their thing where they just sit back and be solid and counter-attack. They had to be the one to attack. And that just gave Denmark more room to play their attacking football, high press. And the, that's uh, how they got their second goal as well. What a cross by the left wing back, Mailer. Brilliant, brilliant cross from out of the boot. Shades of Ricardo Koresma with that cross. And Dover, the striker, made no mistake to put that in and give Denmark a 2 0 going into the uh, halftime. And yeah, that, that pretty much that goal showcased how exciting this Denmark team is. Um, even though they didn't start with Yusuf Olsen, they started with Dolberg. Uh, the coach put his face in Dolberg again and he delivered. Um, Damskart was very good as well, running at the team. Uh, in before uh, Larson, Larson was really good um, getting up the wing, bombarding the uh, Czech Republic left side. Before this, up to now, we have only seen the Denmark left wing back, Baylor, getting for, forward, delivering dangerous crosses, taking people on. But in this game, we also saw the right wing back, Larson, getting uh, very high up the pitch, putting in crosses and being really dangerous. And up to the point where Baylor or contributed to the second goal with a really good uh, cross from the outside of his right foot. And looking at his Danish team, I honestly think they could be a very big threat to England. And yeah, we'll speak about that in the next episode when we talk about the semi-final preview. But yeah, this Danish team is really exciting. In the second half, Czech Republic knew they had to uh, attack. They had to find a way back into the game. They were 2-0 down. Uh, I think the coach made a couple of changes, um, brought on Kremenchik, uh, brought on Brabeck, and they gained a foothold in the match. They scored a goal very soon after halftime through who else but Patrick Schick. Uh, yeah, and they uh, limited Denmark's chances in the second half. I think Czech Republic dominated the second half, um, tried to create a lot of chances, tried to put in crosses, but most of the crosses put in were met by De the Denmark three centre-backs, Kier, Christensen and Westergaard. They were solid. And if it's not them, Schmeichel was the one cleaning up behind. And overall, I think a very well-deserved win for Denmark. It's just, it wasn't as comfortable as their previous two matches had been. But yeah, this is a very exciting De uh, Denmark team who will definitely pose a lot of problems to England in the semis. Ude? Very well analysed by Arjun. I just thought that during the game, it was like an end-of-a-season game between two mid-table Premier League teams who weren't bothered about the result at all. It looked like that for, some, for most of the game, up to the point in which the goal was scored for Denmark. And after that, like again, what Arjun said, where Czech had to attack, it gave space to Denmark. So there's nothing much for me to say. And for me, again, the moment of the game was the cross from Meller. What a brilliant cross it was. And thank God Doberg was there to finish it. And Czech Republic just looked really tired in the last 20 minutes. So, again, very well done for Denmark. Congratulations. Uh, it'll be a very interesting game for the Denmark versus England. But I have one question, Stephen. Are Denmark yes. better without Ericsson? 
<laughs> okay, firstly, I'll start with this very first. Um, uh, check one, Denmark two. I feel, uh, as you correctly predicted as well, Denmark went through to the semifinals and, and I'm very happy to see that Dobro really really can come in and deputize for for, for, for the injured Yusuf Poulsen, which missed, who, who missed the last game against Wales. And uh, yeah, to answer your question, are Denmark better without Ericsson? The, the fact is that we do not know how good Denmark is with Ericsson. And he, they only played like 13 minutes with him. And that was, a, that was the first game uh, when it was still new-new with Finland. So, so um, whether they are better with Ericsson, I still feel that... I, 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 I still feel it's a question mark because after all, they did lose one and a half match without him and won three. Yeah. But the one that they, they won, which is against Russia, against Wales, and against Czech Republic, you know, on paper, they are still the stronger team if you compare these two nations. So, and also, uh, I realized that comparing the first game against Finland and the subsequent four games, uh, Denmark did change their formation, whereby the first game, they played a 4-3-3, and the remaining four games, or the subsequent four games, they played a 3-4-2-1 with three centre-back. And uh, like what Arjun said, uh, earlier, the the the, that, uh, the the people who come in, the players who come in, like Damsgaard, uh, really played well uh, in his position. So, probably, probably, I will say probably, but I do not know for sure whether they are better without him. Like, for example, Liverpool did see, Liverpool did see an increase in, uh, 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 improve in performance without Coutinho or after selling Coutinho. So, probably, there's a bit more um, balance whereby Whereby the game tactic, whereby the tactic is no longer let's just pass the ball to Ericsson and see what he can create for us. You know, it's more of a collective effort, and his injury probably gave them extra motivation. I have to say, I have to say though, this uh, Simon Simon Kier, like I don't know whether how he performed previously, but ever since you know Ericsson's injury, he has showed immense leadership throughout the tournament. Uh, for the last ten minutes of the game, you know. Uh, uh, Czech had a lot of free kick, a lot of corners, and they tried to use their height to the advantage, like Sheik, uh, Su Czech. But then again, uh, Denmark's captain uh, Kier is always there, heading balls and balls away. So yeah, uh, man on the back for me, he he's he has been very strong defensively ahead of uh Asper Michael as well. So yeah, it's quite interesting to see how uh they will play against England in the semi final. Very okay, good answer. Um, um, you had most of the points in which I wrote down as well. So, very good. Very well done. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so to answer your question, if you want a yes or no, yours, yes, or, yes or no uh, my answer is I don't know. La. And we okay, can't say for sure. Okay, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Ude, the last game. Uh, England against Ukraine. Your thoughts? Um, there was, uh, this is nothing much that happened that wasn't already said by everyone else with other football journalists and whatnot. Um, the England-Ukraine game, Kane looked like he was back. Um, the left-footed volley, which was saved by the striker, showed he had a striker with confidence and his pole position to win the golden boot. Speaking of the golden boot uh, race, uh, Schick is joint top with Ronaldo. So very interesting to see how this ends. Um, the fact that Schick has got eliminated right now. And then... One brilliant goals by Kane, two brilliant goals by Kane, one brilliant goal by Maguire as well. 
Luke Shaw, two assists in Rome. Jose Mourinho, are you watching? That's one thing that it, that Jose Mourinho has to make sure that he just loves attacking Luke Shaw for no reason. So hopefully it's not the game. And Ukraine had a few chances. Uh, they gave up after defend, defending set pieces after the second goal. And yeah, England looked a very well coached team, pressing as a team. Teams who win tournaments tend to win games like how England do, they work as a team. And the stat of the day, Harry Maguire has more goals in Euro 2021 compared to Mbappe and Fernandez. That's my stat of the day. <laughs> Raheem Sterling again showed his form in exceptional, very fresh. I guess since he didn't play much for City, he proved his points in which at his back. And you spoke touch about Sancho earlier. And I was thinking maybe Gareth Southgate didn't play Sancho because he wanted the whole transfer saga to be over because it has affected players' emotions and form during a game whenever they have been involved in the transfer saga. So maybe that's why he didn't play Sancho, but the fact that he, once he was announced by Manchester United, he decided to let Sancho free. And yeah, he did pretty well. He ran, he beat a few defenders, and that's basically much my analysis of this match. Does Arjun have anything to say about this? Yeah, I mean, very well put. Uh, watching the match as well, first half, I think, went uh, pretty much as how all the other matches for England so far has gone. Uh, labored, slightly labored attack, uh, dominated the ball, of course, didn't let Ukraine attack them, um, created chances, but only scored the one goal before halftime, which was Harry Kane's fourth minute goal. Um, very good pass by Sterling, by the way. But in the first few minutes of the second half, First, uh, probably like 20 minutes of the second half, they came to life, the burst to life. Luke Shaw, yeah, as what they said, Jose Mourinho, are you watching? <laughs> this Luke Shaw is probably one of the best left backs in the world right now on current form. And I think he's one of the players who's undroppable for England going forward uh, for the semis and potentially for the final as well. I don't think Chilwell has a way back into the, this team right now. And yeah, talking about Sterling as well, had a bad season with Man City, but has been amazing with England. Scoring, creating goals. Harry Kane has come alive in this match. Uh, scored two goals. And that will do wonders for his confidence. And Harry Maguire and John Stones seem to be developing a really good partnership as well. Uh, really solid at the back. The only weakness that I would see in this England team is at right back, to be honest. Um, I'm still not entirely convinced by Kyle Walker at right back. Uh, he did give away the ball once or twice. Overall, he doesn't look as solid. Um, he doesn't seem to be able to use his space to bail him out as much anymore. So that is the only weakness that I can see in the in this England, England team right now. And I think Ude is right, definitely. Looking back now, um, Southgate probably waited until uh, Man United concluded the transfer negotiations for Sancho before giving him a start, just to make sure he's in his head is clear and he can focus on the game. I mean, beyond that, uh, players like Rashford have not played much at all. But I think that's also because he's been, he has niggling injuries, which he has played with throughout the season. So Gareth Southgate just probably just doesn't want to aggravate those as well. Plus, Sterling is on really good form. So I don't think Rashford can displace him. Overall, a very commanding performance from England. Uh, Ukraine were not allowed to attack at all, which is their strong suit. They were forced to defend, which uh, is not their strong suit. and. Yeah, England in one four 0 in the end, which went somewhat uh, how we figured it would go. 
Yeah, um, I have to agree. Uh, a very brilliant performance from England, even though it's against Ukraine, but still 4 new in a Euro 2020 quarterfinals is an impressive result. And I feel that England is starting to click into clear, uh, gear. Uh, I remember the fact that they were they had difficulty scoring goals in the group stage, two goals in three games. And now uh, I'm quite happy to see that, you know, Hurricanes uh, start scoring again and the team is juggling. Uh, Raheem Sterling is playing well. Um, despite his poor club performance, uh, club, uh, club form. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that, you know, uh, Declan Rice and Kelvin Phillips is performing so well in um, the CDM position that the um, vice-captain, Jordan Henderson, can't even get into the team. So this is how good this England team is. So, yeah, um, Harry Maguire came back, came back from injury at the correct time as well, at the right time as well, and now managed to score a goal in this game. Uh, Ukraine looked a bit tired throughout the game. Uh, when After the second goal went in, I feel that Shevchenko looked, looked like he, he has given up, you know. He know that the, the game is done in the second half. Yeah, so um, quite exciting to see how they perform against uh, Denmark in the, in the next, in the semi-final with Sancho still fresh, Mount still fresh from his quarantine as well. So yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, I think that's about it. Uday, Arjun, anything else to add? No, no, I think, I think that's, that's about it. it. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So, uh, listeners, if you have any comments about our podcast, please do leave us a DM. My, my Instagram handle is at Stephen underscore rock underscore on. Arjun's Instagram handle is at Reuven Arjun. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by SG and Sashrock Bakery. Ude, thanks so much for joining us again. Hey, no worries. Thank you for having me on board. Just hoping <laughs> for you, the... Cracker semi-final. Yeah, what, what do you want to ask? No, 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 no. I, said, I just say thank you for joining us and being so, right. so supportive no of this channel. No worries, it's fine. <laughs> okay, no alright. Um, do stay tuned for our next episode where we will preview the Euro 2020 semi-final. So, will it be coming home for England? We shall see. In the meantime, stay safe and bye-bye.